Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So, Boston Celtics vanquished the Milwaukee Bucks and the Dallas Mavericks humiliated the Phoenix Suns in our two Game 7s this weekend, meaning the Celtics face the Miami Heat for the Eastern Conference crown and the Mavericks take on the Golden State Warriors to decide who wins the West. It also means the two teams I expected to be in the finals will not, having predicted at the start of the season that we would get Bucks versus Suns, the sequel. Obviously, I didn't know that Chris Middleton would miss the entire series after spraining his MCL knee ligament in the first round. I also didn't anticipate Chris Paul and Devin Booker deciding to go out of their way to top off Luka Doncic's tank of motivation not just clowning him after going up 2-0, but doing it again when, in Game 5, Devin Booker took a spill on a drive, stayed down on the floor as if he had been injured by Dorian Finney-Smith's challenge to his layup, and then told a teammate that he was pulling a Luka special with a smile and for the camera. All of it caught on camera. There was a lot more chirping than that throughout the series, and Doncic took it all in and gave some of it back, no doubt, saying on his way to the locker room after Game 5 in particular, everybody acts tough when they're up. Yes, they do. The difference is, or the difference between the smart ones and the Fugazis, is that the smart ones don't open their mouths or act as if their opponent is not tough. That's what Devin Booker did, which is only more evidence that he still has some growing up to do as a player. That's what surprised me about both the Suns and the Bucks. It's not so much that they lost, but it's what led to them losing. Neither one of them acted like a defending conference champion, like teams that had stared down bigger make-or-break situations than their opponent and already knew what it took to be victorious in them. 
Instead, they both look confused and rattled, and as a result, lethargic at times. Now, I don't know if the Bucks were going to beat the Celtics without Middleton. I thought they could, but I certainly knew it wouldn't be easy. When they escaped with a Game 5 win, the second game of the series that they squeaked out, I thought they might be able to survive, that those two games were going to be the difference makers. But there were too many matchups where the Bucks were at a disadvantage, and for all of Giannis Antetokounmpo's greatness, he is nowhere near a finished product. He couldn't tilt the scales enough in the direction that he needed to make the game easy enough for Grayson Allen and George Hill and Pat Connaughton. And maybe it's not possible. Maybe those guys, it was just wasn't, they weren't capable of contributing. But I'd like to think that if Giannis was able to manipulate the Celtics' defense a little bit more, keep them a little more honest, it would have given his three-point shooters a little more time to get their shots and that that might have made the difference. The Celtics were able to make him into a decision and playmaker almost every time he got the ball. And as the series wore on, he reverted to what works for him best, works for him best, which is attacking the rim. He lost faith in his mid-range jumper. He would take it now and then, but you could tell him it was just he was going to take it. If it, if it didn't fall, he wasn't going to take it again. He, same thing with his three-pointer. Was, was picking his spots. They won game five because he had no choice and made a gutsy shot. But he was not looking to take that shot because he wasn't making it, as was no one from the Bucks. Instead, he lived off floaters in the paint or weaving his way to the basket. He became, in other words, predictable. And with no other Buck being able to consistently knock down a three, the Bucks were left to generate offense essentially off of Drew Holiday or Giannis getting into the paint, getting theirs or drawing so much attention that they could swing it out and somebody would shoot a three. That was, in essence, the way they scored. Now, I was glad to hear Giannis talk afterward about taking this series as a learning experience, exposing, using it as an expose on what he and the Bucks need and as of yet don't have and for him it's being able to make decisions faster on the block and perfecting his jumper i don't know that he needs the three it would be nice to have it in his pocket but the mid-range is something that he has to have and it has to be something more than a floater he has to be able to take that with the option of still being able to make a play pivot and shoot or pass can't really do that off of a floater because you're generally already up in the air. So it's decision time. You can't change your mind. If you're working off of a pivot in the mid post and you know you can take the jumper and you can pump fake, swing, swing, or this is our pivot, pivot rather, uh, it just gives you way more options and makes you way more dangerous. Uh, for the team collectively, Milwaukee has to get more athleticism on the wings. I mean, think about it. They trotted out there. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Wes Matthews, and George Hill. There may not be a less athletic set of wings in the league, and I don't know why I missed it, but there's certainly not a less athletic set of wings in the league on a contending team, title contending team. Now, Connaughton is sneaky athletic, but I don't know that he's that agile. He's got good hops, but the rest, 
they need to hit open threes because they're more than likely giving up a two at the other end. I would also keep an eye on the coaching situation in Milwaukee. Now, winning a championship generally gives a coach a certain amount of grace, but there's no way the Bucks ownership watched Mike Budenholzer's defensive strategy of Brooke Lopez on Grant Williams, resulting in Grant taking 18 threes, most of them from the corner, and all of them wide open, and making seven of them for a team-high 27 points. A team-high Grant Williams, leading the Celtics to a 22-4 advantage in made three-pointers. That's 18 more threes. George Hill played in the last five games of the series and had a total of five points, all of them in game four, to go with three assists. In five games. In a total of 76 minutes. It's what I thought Budenholzer struggled with last year abandoning whatever plan he thought would work and trying something different on the fly. Surely Javon Carter could have given them more or at least was worth a shot. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And they have Darvin Ham on the bench, who I don't know if he's going to get a job or I know he's getting a couple interviews, but he is considered a head coaching candidate. Now, a lot of this demand depends on the politics within a team is Darvin Ham suggesting or providing things that are not being fully utilized because of Bud I don't know that but that's generally what happens when a head coach gets fired and an assistant is elevated take the case of Nick Nurse replacing Dwayne Casey for the Toronto Raptors a few years ago that was all about Nick Nurse being more creative offensively, believing that bigger demands needed to be made of the team and the pieces needed to be utilized in a different way. I don't know if Darvin Ham provides that option for the Bucks. I'm just saying keep an eye on it because there was nothing about what Bud did in this series that, uh, that impressed anyone. I'll leave it at that. But then again, all the Bucks reverted which is why simply saying that they missed Chris Middleton and that's why they didn't win the series and they would have won it otherwise is so simplistic it's dumb. I mean, look, Marcus Smart missed a game for the Celtics. Robert Williams missed the last four. Those are two key defensive pieces. And I don't know of too many series that go seven games with one opponent having no chance of winning it. Milwaukee was up 2-1 in the series, and again 3-2, with a home game to either put a stranglehold on the series or close it, and they couldn't. I'm not going to put all that on Middleton's absence. And for those who have forgotten, he's not exactly Mr. Consistency. It provides an alibi for Budenholzer's fascination with George Hill over both Javon Carter and Bobby Portis at various points in the series. 
It provides an alibi for Drew Holiday trying to single-handedly do too much to take up the slack for Chris Middleton. For Brooke Lopez not making a three in the entire series. Portis going five for 22 from three and Grayson going five for 24. That's just horrendous shooting. And those are numbers for the entire series. So again, turning back to Coach Bud, at some point you have to think about changing up your strategy to score points if what you're setting up, the shots that you're creating, are not being taken advantage of. Now, if there's anything that makes me feel good about the Bucks bowing out early is the fuel that it will provide Giannis. I expect him to come back even better next season. I expect him to dial in that mid-range. But, as I said, GM John Horst has some work to do as well before I'm going to make them my favorite again to come out of the East. And don't take my focus on the Bucks as an indicator that I'm overlooking the Celtics. The best player didn't win, but the better team did. Marcus Smart bounced back from all the heat he took for the way their Game 5 loss ended, too much heat in my estimation, and was three rebounds shy of a triple-double in Game 7, including 10 dimes against only two turnovers. He was just as buttoned up in Game 6 with seven assists and zero turnovers. That's playing the point guard position at a very high level. We saw Jason Tatum evolve before our very eyes. Ime Udoka did a masterful job of keeping his team level and focused. And think about all the tweaks he made in his matchups and rotations versus what we didn't see Bud doing. Grant Williams rose to the occasion in a Pat Bev sort of way. And Derek White had his moments. And this is what happens as we go deeper into the playoffs. The teams that find a way to utilize their ancillary players the best and have the best ancillary players to utilize wind up advancing. It's not just about having a star or two or a missing one. We saw the same happen in the Dallas-Phoenix series. I'm just not convinced that Phoenix doesn't win if Devin Booker doesn't decide to sun Luka Doncic. Because if you're going to do that, you better be ready for what's coming back at you, and you better be ready to answer it. And Booker was not and did not. And I would say the same for Chris Paul. He tried. At least he tried. He just couldn't. It's one of the things that has always made me nervous about jumping on the Booker bandwagon, by the way. He runs too hot and perturbed when things aren't going well. And he's too quick to laugh at dudes when the suns are rolling. It's all got a heavy AAU vibe to it. That's what I saw all the time when I was around the AAU scene. And while the NBA has certainly adopted more of an NBA, excuse me, AAU feel than ever, none of that flies in the playoffs. Not the NBA playoffs. Luka Doncic never played AAU. He was already playing against men who were looking to shut him down to feed their families at that age. Now, he was a matchup nightmare for the Suns offensively, especially down the last three, two, three games. Michael Bridges was too skinny to guard him. Chris Paul was too old and short. Jay Crowder isn't agile enough. Neither is DeAndre Ayton. And... That could be different in the next series with Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Jonathan Kaminga to throw at Luka. But 
we'll save all that for an upcoming podcast. It's not as if Luca is unbeatable. Not yet. I don't know that he has the game or approach, for example, to be able to play from behind. Getting an early lead allows him and the Mavs to play at their tempo, which for Luka is a slower one, certainly slower than the one that the Warriors hope to play. Jason Kidd's Game 7 plan, though, overall was brilliant. It's funny, TNT reported and pointed out that the Dallas Mavericks' mindset was anyone but Booker, meaning their number one goal was to keep him from scoring or having a big night. But it wasn't as if they trapped the ball hard out of his hands. In fact, they didn't even always double him. It was hilarious that Reggie Miller picked two instances to highlight about all the attention Booker was getting, and it was single coverage, and he simply missed the shot on both of them. Now, there were other times he did receive more attention, but they mostly just made him play in a crowd and forced him to be a playmaker, a decision maker. And... That's never been something he's particularly good at. He's improved in the years. Well, he improved in the years before Chris Paul came along because he had no choice. He was forced to play point guard. But there's also a reason the Suns never made the playoffs with him in that role. I can't wait to see what the Suns look like when they come back either. Will Devin take Giannis's approach and look for ways in which he can be better or look at the Game 7 loss as simply one of those nights? as Chris Paul described it after the game. Will the Suns re-sign DeAndre Ayton, or will someone with cap room swoop in and land him? The Suns are already a very expensive team, projected to have the fourth highest payroll next season, and that's with a $31 million cap hold for Ayton. I'm assuming that when he signs a new deal, or the deal that is going to, it's going to cost the Suns to keep him, is going to be more than... 31 million the first year. And both JaVale McGee and Bismack, Bismack Biombo are free agents as well, which means that none of their centers are a lock to return and that they're going to have to spend at least a few bucks to re-sign those guys as well. Now, if they don't have those guys or only one of those guys, I'd say that changes them as title contenders in a hurry, particularly if the one they don't have is eight. They'd still be good but they're not returning to the finals. And then there's the question about why he only played 17 minutes in Game 7. Admittedly, the outcome was decided three minutes into the third quarter, if not when the Mavs took a 30-point lead before halftime. But when asked about why DeAndre played so few minutes, Coach Monty Williams sternly said, It's internal. That can mean all sorts of things, but having a cloud over your relationship with the most valuable free agent you have is not the way to roll into the summer anticipating a happy outcome. But the bigger question will be, what is their demeanor over the summer and next year? Chris Paul sounded defiant after the loss, saying that the team will be right back here next year. And Devin Booker didn't seem to say much. Again, Don't go church mouse on me after a loss when you're loud and proud after a win. Some players might be able to follow that script, but not a team leader. We'll see if Devin gets that message before next season rolls around. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the next episode, I got a lot to catch up on. 
I've been traveling, so haven't been able to get these out very consistently, both between TV and travel. It has put me back behind schedule, shall we say. But have a number I want to get out on the Philadelphia 76er situation. Still need to revisit the Brooklyn Nets and where they are after Sean Marks laid down the law or what appears to be laying down the law and what it means for Kyrie Irving. And then, of course, we need to look at these matchups in the conference finals. All of it will be coming up soon. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.